Jonathan Jana De Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Wizards of Dribble. We've had a little rotation in terms of presenters. I'm Jason Martin and today I will be joined by David Cowershaw. Hello. And Chris Brammer. Hello. So, in terms of where we begin, there was a football match yesterday and we didn't lose, which is always a bonus. <laughs> yes. So, Dave, you were at the game. Apart from catching Pokemon, what did you find? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, fa- oh, well, uh, you found an Eevee, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, I found a, a Venonat on the concourse at half-time, which is always a pleasure. Yeah, it was um, after Burton, which obviously was a disaster, um, <laughs> it was much more encouraging. It uh, wasn't the case in the first half, really. We started off playing not quite a 5-3-2, but more of a 5-2-3, which I thought made, made us look very lopsided. Um, we didn't see that much of the ball. I think we just looked very uncomfortable with that three at the back and wing backs kind of system. Uh, return of Brian Shawcross, of course, was uh, good to see. He did look a bit slow to me first half, and he was subbed off at half time, which indicates he's not back to full fitness just yet. Um, yeah, my doubts about the formation come from playing lower league opposition. Is this formation the, uh, uh, the best to use against them? I understand us using it. In uh, in games where we're not as fancy to win, like if we're away from home at a big side, where we're naturally conceding a lot of possession, but it seems to me that this setup kind of automatically concedes a lot of possession uh, to the opposition, especially when we don't play with like three proper central midfielders. I mean, we had Adam and Imbula yesterday, and then we had Bojan on Antwich and Jocelyn in front of them. So yeah, it was a very flat performance first half. I thought Charlie Adam was probably our standout player from there. Uh, but second half, much more encouraging. We brought on Mam Juf and Julian and Goy, and we moved back to a 4-2-3-1. And it was a lot better. Uh, Bojan, I thought, was fantastic. Uh, nearly scored a fantastic goal. Played a lovely ball to Juf uh, for the equaliser. A great finish as well. We brought on a few of the younger players, and Goy and Shenton and uh, Joel Taylor at left back, who I thought had a decent game as well. Uh, but I think Goy was the standout of the young players who came on. He was always driving at players, always wanted to you know, take people on, which uh, I found very positive as well. Um, yeah, Preston didn't really threaten much in the second half. There was one really good save by Jack Butland, but apart from that, I thought uh, we were probably good value for a win. So yeah, all in all, an enjoyable day out for a tenner. <laughs> Game of two halves. Very good uh, travelling army of Stokies who made a decent atmosphere. I think we must have made up probably at least a third of that crowd. But it was nice to see the uh, massive queue of Preston fans trying to get tickets, like in the five minutes leading up to kickoff, There was a 100-metre-long queue, which I, I thought would never have happened when we were in the championship. Um, <laughs> finally, the away kit looks really nice as well. I think that's got his first run out. And um, Roy Hughes is scary Roy Keane-esque beard is developing as well. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a motivational tactic or uh, just just fashion. So it's uh he's he's in the darkest we're in the darkest timeline David and he is evil Mark. Yeah, something has happened over the summer that's just uh, 
turned him into this evil genius kind of figure. <laughs> He's not shaving it until we sign a player, basically. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> be, on the, be on the floor. He'll be Santa by Christmas. But yeah, no, it sounds... Thanks for that. It sounds like a really good sort of summary. Um, I think we had a quick look on Twitter to see what the general reaction was, and I think it sort of <laughs> fell in line with... I'm talking about the actual good ones, Chris, not okay, the... Okay, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doomed, liquidate the club. Okay, okay. Um, JMO, for example, said Charlie and Bowie are the best by far. Um, good second half from Mane. Sharon Mitchell yeah. said, Juve made a difference coming on, Shawcross made a difference coming off, and we were better when Shawcross went off. That could be for a variety of reasons, obviously. Yeah, I think... I don't, I don't think... Shawcross played particularly badly. I thought he was perhaps a bit lacking for fitness. But I think the with him going off, it was more that we uh, changed formation yeah. to one that kind of mm. suited our players better. Exactly. Um, Dom Smith said that Juve was great when he came on, helped us to create chances, and Ngoy looked powerful, which was good to see. The three centre-halves didn't look great, and Boyan was class. Uh, Bojan was playing some lovely stuff at the time. Uh, that assist was a, a delight as well. So Bojan does like a preseason. I think <laughs> in in his, his preseason when he joined us, he scored four goals in five games or something, something like that. Yeah. So uh, I remember his opener against Schalke was brilliant. Yeah, it was a it was a tidy finish by uh, by Jav though, weren't it? Yeah, he had another one, uh, but a bit towards the end, uh, kind of in a similar uh, position where he kind of shanked it over. But uh, he was always getting in those good positions. Um, I think maybe Crouch being there helped because Duke played on the right and then going on the left with Crouch as like, the main striker, if you like. Mm. And I think it perhaps helped Duke that he had someone to like drop drop off the shoulder, you know. Yeah, I think that that is quite interesting that we seem to be... Obviously, you've mentioned the three-five-two, um, and then we seem to be toying with four-three-three um, towards the back end of last season and a bit in this preseason. I know it's obviously training times and more about getting match fitness up than actual systems. But does the second sort of use of three-five-two mean anything to you? Does it concern you? Do you think there's knock-on effect to the potential transfer windows? I'm thinking sort of Joe Allen key. Is he trying to find players that will fit? Maybe a new system, or do you well, think it's just coincidental? Or it's just fitness. I've seen his uh, post-match comments uh, on YouTube, and and he sort of did hint that it will be something we might see in the coming season. Now, I'm not necessarily dismissing it straight away on the back of two friendlies, but I think it could be something we see like in in games away at Arsenal, for example, just just to try something different in in grounds where we don't usually get results. I mean, it, it worked for Italy uh, to an extent at the Euros. They, they're kind of being credited with bringing it back. But a lot of their game was based on not seeing much of the ball and being able to spring a counter-attack. As far as Joe Allen's concerned, uh, I think he'd be quite an interesting signing to, to play in our like our normal system, if you like, in a 4-2-3-1. But, yeah, I can, I can see him playing in, in like a midfield three. Because, as I said before, we didn't really play a 3-5-2. We kind of played a almost a 3-4-3. With, so we didn't have three central midfielders. We had two and then three attacking players. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, I think I mean, Sam, Sam at Wizards seems to... Um, he's completely adamant that 
and three five two is going to be the next, the next yeah. tactical shift in the same way that four four two and four three three shifted to four two three one. The concern there is that you've got to have the right players to do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, in, in, and we talk, we've we've thrown a lot of numbers around in this episode, but I suppose that um, in naturally the the three. Four three, I think is what you said, David, is actually like a, a progression of four three three, where your defensive midfielder in that midfield drops into centre back, your wing backs push up and form the width of the team, and then you have three forwards, the central one of which is your guy who holds up play and brings everyone else into play. I know, I know certainly that um, I've been reading a lot uh, about Pep Guardiola and getting everything ready uh, for the next season with him being at Man City and. Um, his his biography is saying a lot when he was with the Barcelona B team, like he f- felt that three four three was the purest form of football, and I don't know. I kind of feel that Mark Hughes all the time has been trying to push for a similar type of system where you know Glenn Whelan is our defensive midfielder. He sits back and he is kind of the link up play for our centre backs. Our full backs push further up the pitch, and we we do play with a, a central striker and and. Rather than conventional wingers, it's what you'd call an inside forward, I suppose, who they look to overlap each other, and the width is really provided by our by our fullbacks. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it's a very it would be a very natural progression in term, in Mark Hughes's head at least in terms of what what he would wants to see from his his football. Yeah. Well, given that, then um, I think Glenn Johnson as a wing back makes total sense given how good he is going forward. I've got more concerns about Eric Peters being a wing-back because I think mm. he, he's better suited to being a more traditional left-back, especially given how poor he is at crossing the ball into the box, which uh, I saw on a couple of occasions yesterday. His crossing was way off. and uh, So maybe he'd be looking to bring in a more a conventional left-wing-back rather than trying to push Eric Peters further up the pitch. I don't know. I mean, Chris makes, Chris makes a sort of solid point that... 3-4-3 would be a nice progression from 4-2-3-1. It's going to be quite seamless. I think um, if we would we would definitely need the players though for it. Like yeah. we wouldn't we we can't like as uh, Dave says like Eric Peters. I think everyone would have a reservation over him being that uh, attacking left back. Now we're not linked with any left backs, which um, would suggest that if Mark Hughes is wanting to go forward with some formation change that he still sees Peters as his first choice left back obviously a lot can change and we're getting fresh links every day with crazy different players but we, we've not generally they're all a very similar type of player we've, we've been linked with strikers and midfielders yeah. um, we're, we're not getting linked with, with fullbacks this season Yeah, and we're not getting linked with uh... there was one um Charlie Taylor a few weeks ago from Leeds. Oh yeah, yeah. Seems to be mentioned, but yeah, I think a few people, more and more people, seem to be sort of being vocal about Peters, particularly on social media over the last few months. I guess yeah. since his new deal, which seems to be a, a little curse. But I think it's more that he was exhausted. <laughs> but yeah, they. I think everyone would probably agree that it's one of those roles where they need um, competition and rotation yeah. for the best yeah. of it. Oh, another position. Um, we're not being linked with players for is centre half. Mm. And considering if we want to play three at the back, I think we we played our three fit centre halves yesterday. You know, I don't think you can go through a season 
uh, playing three at the back. Not not necessarily that we will go through a season playing three at the back. But if you want to play that formation, we can't really just have three fit centre halves. I know Mark Wilson is still to come back, and you know Jeff Cameron can play there. But it just we as we found out last season, we are quite light in terms of squad depth, and a couple of injuries can really hurt us. Yeah, it seems, so, it seems to be a, a different type of um, centre half as well. People talk about if you're gonna have sort of three at the back, well, then you, ideally you want maybe the more mobile and athletic defenders. Like that, I think the thought of say Phil Walsh as good as he is, sort of being at the back, <laughs> is sort of terrifying a few people. It, I think if Mark Munezer could remain like without, if we if we if he could play without injury uh, questions over his head, I think he would be perfect for that system. Yeah, I thought he did play very well yesterday in that back three. Absolutely adore him as a player. I think that he is he's a fantastic player. I think he he thoroughly deserves to be in our starting eleven. The only issue is that he still has those questions over his over his. Uh, his fitness and whether he's injury prone, which is a real shame because I mean, he's, he seems to be a lovely person and he is a really good ball-playing defender. Yeah, you were talking about the Pep stuff earlier. I wonder if almost like if Munies has been sort of made for this role, mm. and it's just the first time that we're stumbling upon it. Yeah, well, I mean, he's 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 always said that his biggest influence, obviously coming from Barcelona, is. Uh, is Puyol, and he was not the the tallest of defenders. In fact, you know, in comparison to the tower of giants that we've had in in our um, defence over the last few years, Munesa and, and Puyol, his idol, are really, are really really tiny in stature. But it's all about, therefore, they they rely on their game intelligence and being able to position themselves in a in a certain way rather than um, brute physicality, um, which again is what you need in a three at the back system because there will be occasions where you're left a little bit bare and you have to work as a three to um, complement one another and cover each other and and really, really be, be comfortable with the ball at your feet. And yeah, Renezer is a perfect example for it. I just would... It'd be perfect if he could remain fit all the time. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. Yeah. Um, just to round off the pre-season chat then, Stoke are due to jet off to the US now. Um, a couple of games against Orlando and a major coup against Orlando B as well. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a confirmation that there will be a streamed match, but there's further details to come on from Stoke City themselves. So we wait to hear from that. Um, we've touched upon it already, but let's just do a quick transfer roundup. So <laughs> basically our hit list. Yep, yep. Um, let's start with... Joe Allen. So John Percy reported that he was due in for talks today. A few rumours have swung either way. It's gone great. It's gone terribly. I guess we won't really know, but Hughes has got him in a room and <laughs> <laughs> that sounded way worse than it should have. But, um, With his scary beard. Yes. Well, which one? <laughs> They're probably having a beard off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and John Percy seems to suggests that Alan would actually look forward to playing under Hughes, so he could be one that comes in. A potential knock-on would still be Ki Sung-young, who we apparently bid seven million for prior to Alan, but Swansea then sort of moved the goalposts. Yeah. And there's 
suggestions that Swansea need to sell Key before buying Allen. Would you guys like Key? Mm. Um, Joe Allen would be my first choice. Yes, me too. Like that's that's, that's not uh, a disrespect to, to Key, and I, I don't I don't know him that well. Obviously, only seen him at Swansea. He seemed he seemed all right enough, and no doubt if he came into the team, he'd add something to our midfield. But it, now Joe Allen's been suggested. We we need Joe Allen. That's who we want, and that's who we need. Yeah, the the more this deal seems to be progressing, the more nervous I get. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, until he's holding up a Stoke shirt, I'm just in a constant state of panic that he's just gonna decide football's not for him and open up a farm or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go. He, he, he does. Co- he does collect chickens. I think. He John. does. There's your interesting Joe Allen fact for the day. I love that. Um, Everyone else with their Rolex watches and stuff, fast cars, and he just stands there with a chicken. Yeah. He's he's an interesting man. Obviously, we've been linked with with that type of player. Joe Allen and Key are very similar. And that that Lamina at Juventus is also, I would say, in a bit of a similar mould. Would you suggest, then, that if, if we got Joe Allen... That would be the final signing for midfield. We wouldn't really be going after anyone else, would we? Um, I don't know. I mean, where? Well, I suppose the question then is, if we let's assume we're going into the season, we play four three three. Where does Joe Allen fit in your midfield? Who is your midfield? For this? It would. <laughs> Allen's sort of a hybrid, isn't he? In the sense that he's not the destroyer that Whelan is. But he's got more tackling about him than, say, Ibrahim Afalai. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the passing ability. Whereas Key, for example, would be more Afalai than Whelan. Alan's mm-hmm. probably more... Yeah, I'm getting in a mix. But I think it'd be interesting to see if he'd work... If Alan would work alongside Mbula. Yeah, that's what I'd like to see initially as well. Just kind of... I, I, I see what you mean by Alan not being like a more kind of... You know, a rugged defensive midfielder kind of th- kind of thing who just breaks down play all the time, puts a lot of tackles in. But I would like to see him within Bueller just to see if that makes any difference to us going forward. Because I think a lot of the ta- times last season for the midfield, it wasn't so much that they weren't protecting the back four, although sometimes they didn't protect the back four. It was more that they kind of slowed down our uh, attacking play. So I think that would be an interesting start would be Allen and Dimbula. Yeah, I think if we're going for the counter-attacking approach, which we've done really well on so far, I think Allen would be fantastic for getting the ball sort of up and at them, I guess. He's sort of he's sort of like a deeper line Charlie Adam without the goal threat, I think, in terms of his passing ability and is maybe a little less aggressive in the tackle. <laughs> I think he'd be like our uh, Sergio Busquets, wouldn't he? Yeah. Just kind of keep keepers ticking over, but he'd also be capable of finding, you know, a decent through ball to Shakira and Anatovic every now and then. I think I think a lot of it does depend completely on what we go for formation wise. And to to bring it back to what we were saying a minute ago, if if we if Mark Hughes goes with say four uh, three four three, then that negates the us needing a defensive midfielder because essentially that central defender becomes the what was the holding midfielder. In which case, then, you could I, I think you could easily imagine Mbula and Joe Allen being the midfield two whilst you've got the wide wing-backs because you've got Mbula who would push forward and be that kind of 
I say physical presence in midfield, not in terms of he's running around and, and tackling people, but you know he's he's a, he's a big lad and he can like do you know what I mean when I say he's a physical player? Like yeah. he's his presence is enough. And then you would have Joe Allen who would maybe sit a bit deeper and um, pass and play out from from deeper and create from a deeper position. That if that if we played three four three, I could imagine that situation. Yeah. Um, I think the success of Allen is going to also hinge on Mbula in the defensive game, though, to sort of cover that. But I think it sounds... I think we're all excited for it if it does happen, which you probably <laughs> won't now. We, we, we've <laughs> but, spoken about it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of other midfield roles that have been... Well, players have been linked. Key's been linked. James McCarthy was sort of tentatively linked and mm-hmm. is now missed a preseason game today. From at, um, against Barnes, I think it was, with a an unknown muscle problem. If that doesn't scream, he's moving somewhere, mm. then I don't know what is. But, <laughs> so he could be another one, but he's very much sort of more, probably more of an Imbula than a, a defensive mid, which made me think, are we going to, are we going 4-3-3? Are we going to start seeing three different types of central midfielder in? What does that mean for Bojan, for example? So I guess it'll all become clear towards the end of the window. I think the man who can answer all those questions is currently staring into a mirror, just trimming his beard to get it at the appropriate length. He's looking at pictures of Joe Allen, and I think the only reason we've been linked with Joe Allen is Hughes wants beers, beard tip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Joe Ledley will be here next. Oh, yeah. But I think... Well, we weren't linked with Yedinak last season, weren't we? Who also has a tremendous beard. The beard to be feared. Oh, my God. But... I, I think one thing that we learned, especially last year, is that I, Mark Hughes likes to have a variety of different players to be able to change tactics up uh, for different matches. So, obviously, we played with a false nine at times last season. We then played with a target man up front. He likes to change things around. And I think, whilst maybe Joe Allen, obviously, if, if we got him, he would be... I'd like him to start every game. I think that Mark Hughes probably sees it as different games means different players, which is a good thing. It means that, you know, we're not just going to try and play one way and like it or, or lump it, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. So a quick roundup for all the other players. Lamina, who was mentioned there, there's no progress on it, but apparently West Brom are going in for him now. It remains <laughs> to be seen whether we continue to pursue him following any potential Allen deal. Ravadan Solvi's saga could finally be over in the next few days. Um, okay. Once he, yeah, yeah, okay. When he, he went back to Egypt to get engaged and as part of a video interview said that he expects to basically join up with the guys um, over on the US, US training base over the next few days. So it seems Wait. to be that Stoke are just sorting a visa out. But they could probably do with announcing it. Was someone interviewing him at his wedding? Well, after the engagement, it's just a bit weirder. Like, instead of a first dance, he just takes a press conference. Uh, I'll be happy when that's finally over, because I think most people forgot about him. It dragged on that long. Saito Barahino, for a man that needs to be oh, sold, is currently so. going nowhere. I don't I don't understand West Brom's game with it. No, I don't, I don't think their fans do either. Well, no, yeah, no one does, like... It it just it, it just reeks of absolute bitterness on the part of of their of their board where 
he's a player who has a year left. We've been offered twenty million, not just by us. Twenty million pounds. Twenty million pounds for a person in the last year of their contract who doesn't want to play for you, who probably won't play that play as many games this season as as <laughs> you know he probably should. And and you're just saying no, and you're going to keep him and let him go on a free next season, like. I know that I know that um, Berahino's a professional, and you know he, when called upon, he'll play and he'll play to the best of his ability. But bloody hell, you know he don't want to be there, and you're getting the offer <laughs> of twenty million pounds, which is, I know this current market is absolutely <laughs> crazy, but twenty million pounds still a lot of money, West Brom. You can go out and buy lots of other players that Tony Pulis will love. You know, yeah. Why? Oh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it is a very frustrating. It, it's like Jeremy Peace is doing his best uh, Daniel Levy impression. Yeah, <laughs> it really trying is. Trying to milk every last pound out of like whatever club comes and, in. And you just you you just know that Tony's sitting there, like head in hands, been like, I think I could get some right deals for twenty million pounds and. Now I'm going to have to wait till deadline day yet again to spend money. <laughs> oh, what a disaster. Oh. Speaking of Daniel Levy, we he may yet still fleeces of money this window. <laughs> because Stoke were linked with a £15 million move for Nasser Chadley as of last night. Um, mm. Rumours, because Arnautovic has also been linked to Everton, rumours that he'd come in as a, a like-for-like Presumably in terms of hairstyle, because they're doing both top knots. <laughs> but, yeah, Chadley, anyone? Yeah, I think he's a decent player. He's certainly uh, progressed a lot, I think, particularly uh, last season. He's, he's really uh, come on and shown what he can do. Um, I, yeah, I'm a bit surprised to hear that Spurs might want to get rid. Maybe they've got just uh, better players that you know coming in. But, yeah... He, um, I think he was kind of dismissed when he first arrived in England as a bit of a flash-in-the-pan, showy kind of player. But, yeah, he's really improved a lot, and I think he's quite, got quite a lot to to his game. He's a very similar player, not just in hairstyle, to Marco Arnautovic. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see if one has, you know, if Marco has to go or if somehow they can be part of the same team yeah I'd hope so I think um, Chadley's issue was from looking at it he suffered from a lack of game time last season I think he got just under a thousand minutes across the season so he was used very sparingly which is weird because the season before that he bagged 11 goals in 36 games I think mm. it was which is tremendous for a, a midfielder so I think he offers that physicality a bit of variation and I think he'd be quite a good addition but whether it's just sort of column fillers for a Sunday or not I guess we'll see <laughs> right we'll take a break there and we'll be back for the second half very shortly welcome back to episode part two of episode six <laughs> forgot where I was then um, now we're going to take a look at basically a stage below the first team and look at the academy size because there's been an exciting new rebranding slash announcement that the under-21 leagues has become the Premier League 2, which is a nice catchy name. <laughs> the key difference um, from previous seasons is the under-21 threshold is now up to under-23, which is sort of a similar level to sides in 
Germany, I believe, and America as well. It's it's becoming more and more of a universal sort of age bracket. And so I guess we'll start there. So with the age gap moving up, what are your thoughts? Happy? Annoyed? Do you care? Well, I think it's um, quite interesting in that, in theory, it could mean a lot of like players could stay with us. Like If you're 22 or 23 and you still want to break into the Stoke first team, it gives you more time at the club, you know, uh, more game time uh, with like your own age group to develop a bit more. But at the same time, if you're a 22 or 23-year-old Stoke player and you're still not getting first-team chances, uh, will that really change anything for you? Won't you still want to be um, trying to get a move to a lower league club and trying to build your career that way? So it remains to be seen uh, how much of a difference it will make uh, long-term. Um, of course, next season we've got the um, EFL trophy involvement as well. So maybe having just slightly older players could uh, be beneficial to us in that competition. I'm not sure, but if, you, like you say, um, that other countries are doing it, then... Yeah, I think, um, let me just... This is the official line that came out for the, for the league. So, Premier League 2 is a new competition with a greater focus on the level of play in terms of technicality, physicality and intensity to bring players as close to first-team experience as possible. I guess they they maybe want more well-rounded players that leave scope for, say, signing from abroad coming in age 21 or something, or 22, to adjust in gradually over the season. For example, if Sobby was actually 21 rather than 19, sort of gives him a season there if needed. Obviously, you'd hope they wouldn't need it and they break straight in, but I guess it gives them a bit more flexibility. I do think one issue is it could sort of halt people's careers a little bit further. I think there is a point where you have to, I guess, let some of the guys go to in search of competitive football and to build a career. To hold on to them for a little bit more might be quite damaging. Like, if you've got a 23-year-old or something who's never sort of, I guess, played a competitive season, it may be quite difficult for them to get signed up by anyone. You did mention the EFL trophy, and I'll be interested to see what happens there. Just to round off in terms of game time, so the under-21 league is basically two divisions of 12 sides. We're in Division 2, as we were last season. So there's 22 fixtures there. There's an under-21 cup, which includes all the academy sides, which is now, I think that's still going to be under-21s. They haven't suggested it's under-23s, unless it's out of date. Either way, we Stoke come in at the round of 32 rather than qualifiers due to the Category 1 status. And the EFL trophy, obviously on the side, I think it's three games at the very minimum because of the group stages. So it could be about 30 games a season for them without the summer tournaments and everything else. So I guess that is quite a good amount of game time mm. for, an, for a development stage. Well, I was going to say, I think that it's a lot of it is, as you say, it's about development. And I think that there's, in recent years, there's been a real recognition that players are leaving the youth structure and then struggling to either find clubs or to get to a, a good level because they're really lacking that technical ability because they've not really been coached. I think this is kind of the Premier League's idea at addressing that um, by almost giving... Uh, players an extra two years guaranteed education if you know what I mean so 
they like you say, it gives them the opportunity to push on into the first team and maybe be given sparing chances in and amongst the, the first team. But also with the le- amount of games that you just said, to, to have a full season of football where they are constantly being taught things and it's kind of a no pressure environment which I suppose can only be only be a good thing. My only concern is like what you would say is it's are we leaving players too late to then not have any proper competitive fixtures under their uh, well match day experience under their under their belt. Um it's I don't know, it seemed the re- like we said, the rest of Europe seems to do it and it's worked seemingly well over there. So it can't be too much of a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, I wonder if they've had any sort of ideas in mind or examples in mind when they've thought of this. For example, Harry Kane being a bit of a later breakthrough, for example, for a, yeah. a homegrown player. They, yeah. So they may go, oh, let's get some more of them. But I guess the main thing from Kane is he did still have some loan spells, like yeah. regardless of... I know, like, most of his breakthrough, I think, came sort of behind the scenes. He didn't really, I guess, tear up any trees in any of his loan. He had a good spell at uh, Millwall, I think, and uh, not not really at Leicester. But, yeah, I think... Oh, goodness, but people also mature at such a different rate. Like, I mean, if, I can't remember how old you guys are, but if I think back to when I was uh, 21 and then how I was at 23, 24. That's a huge difference. Lots of things happen in, in your life at that point where, you know, you you have a much... Well, most people have a much saner head on, on their shoulders at that point. So people will develop later. In a case of, oh, you're 21. Oh, you've not broken into the first team, right? We You're, you're not going to be as good a player as we thought you were going to be. People develop at different rates. People need different coaching environments. And... Like I say, I don't think it's a bad thing that essentially we're giving players an extra two years of potential football and education in order to get them ready for game time. I just hope that those extra two years are used to start bedding players into um, first teams and to give them that experience rather than just two years sat in the reserves. Yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed um, about the upcoming like under-23 season is most of our games will be held at uh, Harrison Park, which is a Leak Towns ground. Um, I, I wonder if that will probably be uh, better for us because we play probably the pitch won't be as great. Uh, I've been to Leak Town and it's a uh, it's quite it's quite a nice non-league ground actually. It's, it's one of the better non-league grounds I've been to. They've got one stand which is almost kind of two-tiered in a sense in that you've got a terracing bit and then up some stairs you've got a seating bit. So it's it's a, it's a decent level ground. And I think it might also help attendances. I know, I know it sounds a bit silly to say, considering it's a much smaller ground than the Britannia. But I think with the Britannia being, you know, it's quite out away from, you know, a load of houses and stuff. And I think that's the advantage of a, of a smaller non-league ground, is you can get people from nearby who might go along and watch it. The last season's matches were actually at Macclesfield. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a little bit more sort of local and easy to get to from the, the yeah Hartstoke. yeah Le- 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 I think is closer than Macclesfield. Uh, you know, none of us are, are in Stoke. Are we, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why am I asking for reassurance? We'll, we'll get immediately proven yeah. wrong by someone. Um, yeah, our first game is on the 13th of August uh, at 2pm at Leek Town. We're at home to West Ham, so if you can't make it to mid to uh, Middlesbrough. 
you know, why not pop yeah. down to Luton? I suppose one of the things as well, like under twenty two, no, under twenty three teams or B teams or whatever in, in Europe, they do get quite a following as well. I mean, not nothing to in comparison to their first teams, but I, I suppose maybe the idea behind this is you get people interested in the younger teams. They get to play in front of an actual a decent sized crowd, and it gives them that match day experience as well as actually getting yeah. our fans to know a bit about these players coming through because I mean let's be honest uh, we, we 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 are willfully n- neglecting our uh, youth department on um, social media and on the internet it isn't really something that's covered too much whereas other clubs like I, I watched some of videos of clubs on the continent like Ajax their YouTube channel is dedicated pretty much to their youth team it's absolutely mad you can watch full games and highlights and everything there's a real uh, knowledge of players who are yeah. coming through the ranks. I don't think we have that, and hopefully. Yeah. On the, on that note, um, oh, under 18s, I think it was, uh, did actually play League Town uh, yesterday, just before the first team played at Preston. Um, shout out to League Town TV, by the way. Who <laughs> um, amazing that amazing that there is a League Town TV in the first place, but they managed to produce a 16-minute highlight video of our under 18s against uh, League Town in a 1-0 win. They missed the goal, but um, <laughs> apart from that, you know, great. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the final score was 1-0 one, one to Stokes under-18s. It was Tibby Valinden who got the goal, and they're off, I believe they're off to Barcelona for some sort of training game now. That's... Oh, to be a youth player now. Not, not, a, not a bad trip, is it, really? Not no. Not a bad work experience. So, I guess speaking of the under-18s, we should probably talk about them for a bit because their sort of age bracket falls into the Peroni Cup and other alcohol is available, <laughs> which starts in on August the 12th. It's never a good idea um, naming an under-18s <laughs> tournament after alcohol. I think they've misjudged their market. <laughs> so, it, it is spelled differently, don't worry. We're just... Having a bit of fun. <laughs> so it kicks off, weirdly, it kicks off at the same time that, the same weekend that the under 21s kick off their season. There are 16 sides that are in this tournament over in France. Some big names in there. There's some big names. So we've Ooh. got Gracie Milans, Roma, Monaco, PSV, Eindhoven, Feyenoord, Boca Juniors, and Stoke City are in there as well. They're very good on social media, this Peron Cup account and they seem really excited to that everyone's talking about it so hopefully it's a great opportunity for a developing and probably one of the better under 18 sides to get some really good experience now because there are some good players coming through and obviously we mentioned Valinden there who signed the new I guess professional deal with Stoke it looks like he could be one for the future do you guys know of many others (laughs) or should I reel some off Go ahead, reel some off for us. Just, just to jog okay. on. Okay, so in terms of strikers, you've got Hakim Abdallah, who was the one who scored, scored that beautiful curling yeah, effort yeah, yeah, and yeah. testimonial. Oh, yeah, that was beauty. He seems to be a very promising um, prospect. He's likely to lead the line, I guess, for the under-18s with Ngoi moving up to the under-21s. There's a new Finnish striker whose name I've completely forgotten, but I'm never going to miss the opportunity to say that he'll be a good finisher. And <laughs> in terms of midfielders, we've got Lasse Sorensen, who mm-hmm. joined in January. 
for anyone that talks to buy an oat cake on Twitter seemed to rave about him against Newcastle Town. Said he was head and shoulders above anyone on the pitch, despite being kicked quite a lot. <laughs> and then we've got Portugal under eighteen international Lewis Silva at the back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think there's a there's a nice sort of spine as well as some new um, local players coming through. I think we've just signed a 16-year-old keeper who comes from Kidsgrove, if I remember rightly, that seems to be highly rated. So yeah, I think there's... Yeah, this Barone Cup thing's very interesting. I'm just looking at all the teams now. Um, it's it's quite a mix of, you know, differently, differently sized clubs. So we've got some, you know, real big hitters like uh, Boca Juniors and Marseille. And we've also got some, I'd say, lower-ranked European side, thinking like um, Caen from France. So, but they've got a broad range of countries in there. So it'll be, I think, it'll be a great like, education for them to play against, like an Argentinian youth side, a, a French youth side, a Spanish youth side, to just get a mix of different styles playing against them and maybe learning from. Yeah, and from a fan perspective, I get the feeling that we're probably going to see a lot of highlights from this tournament. So. I guess hopefully we'll we'll get our first glimpses of how some of the young guys do. Could be our first trophy of the season. Yes. Ahead of the imminent quadruple. The EFL trophy. Nice one. The Premier League. Yeah, the Premier League and the Under-21s Cup. Under-23s Cup, even. And the prem- you mean the Premier League 2 trophy? <laughs> no, the genuine one. He means the Premier League trophy. If Leicester can do it, so can we. Yeah, but they had Robert Huth, so... <laughs> yeah, that was a valid point. Oh god, don't start. <laughs> we can sign Richie Delat though. He's available apparently. That's ah, it. Brill. <laughs> nice one. Okay, so <laughs> he has a Premier League winners medal. Richie Delat has a Premier League winners medal. <laughs> was it? I don't know if I'm right. Was it Richie Delat who was at uh, Middlesbrough as well at the end of last season? Yeah, he actually. So won. he, yeah, so he, he got a promotion medal and a title winners medal. <laughs> which is yeah. the best that's, no. that's brilliant good on you good on you kid <laughs> so can't believe we let him go we'll move on to some of the stuff that we've done on the blog admittedly we our last podcast was a week ago so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the only thing to talk about is the relaunch of the Premier League Fantasy Football which went live this week um, we've got a lovely blog detailing the prices of Stoke players and some potential picks. But basically, all you need to know is to pick Bojan this season because he's actually considered a midfielder rather than a striker, which was absolutely criminal last season. We do have a league as well for you to join. If you go to the Wizards of Drivel or Wizards of Drivel Twitter, you will see the league available, or just ask one of us. Yeah, we'll post the, the code in the description for this episode yeah. as well. So. so you can all join and show us what tactical frauds we are i think that's everything from us it's a little bit of a shorter episode this time around but i think we're building would, ourselves up for a massive pre-season preview would you mm-hmm. like me to ruin the end of the episode because yes, yes. John please do that Owen has just posted on twitter alan's been seen in swansea today according to some tweets we've done it again we've done it again we spoke about a player and it's not gonna happen you could be seeing his family? His chickens, maybe? <laughs> you sure it wasn't that guy from 8 out of 10 cats? <laughs> maybe it was Jesus. It could well, could well be. <laughs> oh, well. 
Never mind. Didn't want him anyway. Why is it recently we're ending our podcasts in just utter <laughs> depression? It happens every time, doesn't it? Yeah. At least we started it well. <laughs> we, we, hadn't, we didn't lose to Preston. <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- things are improving. They are indeed. So join us next time when we look at Stoke's humiliating double defeat at the hands of Orlando. <laughs> And Sido Barahino signs for Sevilla. (laughs) Okay, so you can find us on Twitter at Wizards of Drivel. Um, You can find David on Twitter at... At David Cowlishaw. And you can find Chris at... At Bramard. It's an interesting point on Chris, actually. If you you ask him nicely, he's got the league... The league kits for football, for football manager sixteen ready already for I next do. season. I do. I have them all prepared. So give them a tweet if you want them ahead of, <laughs> I guess, for the next month or so before FM seventeen launches. Yep. <laughs> that was such a random shout. <laughs> I just thought, I just thought that everyone's probably having their managerial moments now yeah. in the transfer window, and if people are booting up football manager, they may as well get the new kit. Yeah. And and if and obviously if you want to give David a nice tweet, he'll tell you some great spots uh, to catch Pokemon. Yeah, well, I've got a story. <laughs> I don't know if we've got time for this, but um, yeah, at the Preston game yesterday, I was I was just like, I flicked my phone up like just before the game. I saw there was an Eevee on the pitch. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I'll have that. Whatever. The lad next to me. I look at his map. He's by this huge body of water, which there isn't a huge body of water near Deepdale. And there's all these poker socks and laws on them. And I'm like, where are you? And he said, I said oh, oh, I'm in Australia. <laughs> I'm on level 20 and I've got all these great Pokemon. It just... I don't know how he's done it, but that, that oh child God. is better at technology than me he's and cheating. it's frightening. He's cheating, he's cheating Pokemon. Go. He, he is, not. yeah. Um, if he's in Australia, they're probably like oh, wilder and more dangerous Pokemon than we have in this country anyway, so oh, I can't believe it. Blinking and on that depressing note, we end the week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.